Hey everyone, welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. So today we have Lisa Tahir with us. She is an author, psychotherapist. She's the host of All Things Therapy podcast with LA Talk Radio and the founder of Psychoastrology. So Lisa uses astrology as a diagnostic tool and she specifically focuses on the astrological placement of the minor planet called Chiron in your birth chart to identify the core wounds and unconscious patterns that might block your capacity to have self-empathy and forgiveness for yourself. And she coined the phrase Chiron effect to describe this magnetic pull that individuals have around specific areas of vulnerability and what parts of our lives we might be hiding or editing for fear of being rejected and these areas of sensitivity where we get triggered. So I've put a link in the description below where you can figure out where Chiron is in your birth chart. And I did mine before recording this with her and it turns out mine was in Leo, which made so much sense. (laughs) It's just a great way to be more self-reflective and it's just another tool in your tool belt to help you move forward and start to understand what you can unpack and get to know your shadow self even more. So she really explains in this episode too how your personal Chiron placement can become the source of your greatest healing and empowerment because that's the beauty of shadow work and that's the beauty of getting to know your triggers and embrace them and transmute them essentially. So we talk about all of that and we talk about remembering who we really are and, you know, the beauty of life in this new year. Happy New Year, by the way. I hope you guys have had a great kickoff to this year. I know it's been craziness, but we're going to get through it. Um, Also, I do a lot of talking in this episode, which I don't usually do, but Lisa's so warm and friendly, and we just ended up having more of a conversation in this episode, which was great. So I hope you enjoy this episode, and of course, let us know what you think. I always love getting your feedback, and I'm so grateful that you're here today, and I will talk to you on the flip side. So the first question I love to ask guests is, how do you like to start your day off? Yeah, Helen, I've learned every morning I get up and before I start answering emails or going on social media, I'll pour a cup of coffee and go sit on my couch and I'll meditate and just really align with an intention for the day to have. I tell my two cats, today's the best day of our life. You don't really feel into that. Today is being the very best day of my life. And I'll spend a few moments in silence and then use a guided meditation to help if I, if I feel led to do that. And then I'll, I'll look at my email from Abraham Hicks, like kind of the affirmation for the day. So I'll read that and kind of be thoughtful about what they're saying to, to you know, focus on and find alignment with, because I've found that I am most productive when I start with just really grounding myself in love, really giving myself some appreciation and asking the universe to help support me in my day and answer the emails and rise to what, you know, I'm, I'm meeting and um, just to really be in everything that I'm doing. And then I send love to my day and everyone that I'll encounter. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. That's beautiful. You're welcome. I love Abraham Hicks's emails too. They're such a good little 
you know, burst of inspiration whenever you pick them they up. They are. Mm-hmm. They are. So I think we're going to be talking a lot about astrology today, which I'm so excited to get into. But to kind of start okay. us off, can you give us a general understanding of how astrology shapes us as individuals and collectively? Sure. I think that's a good question, Helen, because I come to astrology as a psychotherapist. And for me, I see astrology as a symbolic language of patterns as I've come to understand it. And I think astrology really can accurately and quickly help us identify some of the patterns that we have in our lives, knowing that we have the ability and the free will to address those and change them. I see our astrology as being mutable, as being changeable, regardless of what the stars show about when we were born and what was there. So I think it'd be such a beautiful template to use in conjunction with meditation and other healing modalities and other um, things. So I start from that perspective. And I coined the word psychoastrology. I trademarked it to identify where our personal psychology meets our natal astrology. And that's kind of like a departure point. Oh, I love that. Can you dive more into how our signs might change and what you mean by them being mutable or changeable? Well, and again, just to remind our listeners that I come to astrology as a paradigm from a psychotherapeutic perspective. I'm not an astrologer. I'm, you know, I'm not versed like many of you even listening about signs and conjunctions and and those kind of specifics. Mm -hmm. I come to astrology and Chiron in particular, which is my area of focus, the the placement of Chiron in our birth chart identifies our greatest areas of vulnerability and even woundedness in, in some cases where we feel like there are patterns that are repetitive that we seem to encounter despite our best efforts to change. And so I thought that to be really interesting because in psychology, Sigmund Freud in 1914 coined the repetition compulsion. And it's these patterns that we seem to not be able to break out of. And later, Eric Erickson talked about those repeated patterns in relationships that we seem to circle with ourselves and with others. And then object relationist also spoke about schemas in our mind of early patterns of relationship that we replay in our lives. And Chiron being connected to this is really accurately diagnosing what our pattern, what our wound is, what our area of vulnerability is, and a sign. And then the house placement of Chiron showing us the specific area of our lives. Is it personal in our self-esteem? Is it in our intimate relationship? Is it in our work life? Is it with our health? Is it in our connection to spirituality? The area that our wounds and vulnerabilities manifest. Mm. Does, that, does that make sense? Yes. And I'm so glad that you brought up psychotherapy and psychology uh, into this conversation because I originally asked that question, I think, because a lot of us feel maybe like not connected to our sign or we feel like something's missing or like we might be victim, held victim in our own minds to our signs, which I really think is important to get away from and remind ourselves that we're always in the driver's seat and there's always something deeper going on there as well. On the flip side, astrology can be amazing and so helpful and help us fully embody um, but yeah, I'd love to dive in more with you about 
how you've paired psychology with Chiron and how we can start to heal that wound that comes up in Chiron. Yeah, and I love what you just said, Helen, because it really hits it head on as far as I know in your work, talking, learning how to more deeply love ourselves and really transmute and change our self-defeating patterns and the way that, that we hurt ourselves. And I don't think we really intend or mean to hurt ourselves with our habits, addictions, or thought patterns, but somehow that's where we find ourselves. And it's really like, like you talk about it as well, stepping into a new belief system. And for me, I found that Chiron is really a doorway for us to, first of all, see very clearly what some operating belief systems have been in a very concise way. So you don't have to wonder, as a therapist, people come in and sometimes ask, what's wrong with me? And it breaks my heart because I'm like, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, it's really about more deeply understanding how you work and make sense of how your life experience has caused you to create certain defense mechanisms, things you want to hide or edit because you don't feel good enough. And Chiron actually points to all of those things. Chiron points to the areas of our life that we feel shame about or embarrassed, where we don't feel good enough, where we've been neglected and compensate through you know, overworking or people pleasing to be loved. And so I was really excited in my own life to wonder kind of what's beyond rehashing of the old story in therapy and, and revisiting, you know, our pain points of experience. Like I've, I found it to be disempowering Helen, even my own self as a client in therapy and asking the universe, like what's next, you know, what can I contribute? Like there has to be something beyond just knowing why we're wounded. And I received the word Chiron. And that's when I started researching and led to what we're talking about. Awesome. That's such a wonderful way to describe it because it reminds me of Chiron as a shadow self, almost like it's representative of our shadow self. Would you agree with that? Yes, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely. And I talk in, in every chapter where it identifies, say, Chiron in Aries, Chiron in Taurus, etc. There's an end portion of every chapter where I talk about your shadow self being these Chiron, when we aren't aware of our wounding, of our vulnerability, it comes out sideways and we end up sometimes pushing people away or being perceived as a know-it-all, being perceived in ways that keep the love and respect away from us versus drawing it in. And so I do dedicate a section at the end of each chapter to help people understand that about themselves. Yeah, that's so helpful. Um, to rewind just for a second, for listeners who hear the word Chiron and they're like, what are they talking about? What is Chiron? Well, Chiron, how in Chiron is actually four things. Chiron in astronomy is a minor planet and comet designated both things in astronomy between the planets of Saturn and Uranus. And it was discovered in 1977 to have an elliptical orbit. And it was first of the centaur class, which is significant because Chiron was also a centaur in Greek mythology. And he's the founding father of the healing arts of medicine and pharmacy and botany. And thirdly, Chiron is who Carl Jung speaks about, writes about in the archetypes as the wounded healer and our shadow self in the collective unconscious. And then lastly, Chiron is an astrological placement in our birth chart, like your sun sign and your moon and your rising and your Venus. Everyone has a Chiron placement as well. Mm. How can we find our placement? You know, you can go to any astrological web 
website. I have a plugin. If you go to nolatherapy.com and you click on the book button, there's a plugin where you can enter your date of birth, your time of birth and place of birth. It's free and it'll generate your Chiron sign and placement. And the Chiron sign is based on your date of birth and your place of birth. The Chiron house placement is generated based on your time of births. And some people don't know that. So it's okay if you don't know that your time of birth, just knowing where your Chiron is can be adequate enough. I wondered if you looked up yours. I did. And oh, let me see. I'm going to pull it up. So 1993 here. Let's see. Leo. Chiron enters Leo. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. okay. Chiron enters Leo. So it's a Chiron and Leo has to do with the core wounding and your creativity. And I don't know if you were able to read about some of the things I said about that, but you might be really great at bringing that out in others. Like here you are, a podcaster, helping people heal and change patterns and transform. But, but maybe it, that was harder for you to do for yourself. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But was that, is that accurate at all? Oh, that resonates so much. Um, I have always been into performing and making music and connecting with people in a broader way, but I've never felt completely comfortable on stage. Like I've always loved to be recording in the booth and not necessarily performing outwardly. In a studio? Yeah. Yeah. And it's always something I struggled with. And then when I started this podcast, I feel like I found my real sweet spot because the attention is not so much on me anymore. It's about giving a voice to other healers and, and bringing in conversation. So it's more communal. So that really does resonate because I've always been like, why am I, why don't I really like performing or, you know, I, I feel this energetic block there, but it makes sense. And your, your Chiron and Leo at its fully, you know, actualized highest potential where you're feeling your best self is you are passionately creative. And I know you're a singer. So I see that being more of a part of your life and you even stepping into a place where you are more comfortable being seen in those ways. Cause it's like, it, it's centered around your self-worth, like really knowing you have something of value to offer mm-hmm. and tapping into how good it feels for you. If it feels that good for you, it certainly is going to uplift others as well mm-hmm. and really getting comfortable with that. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. I was kind of hoping I would be able to pull that up with you. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. I think you're nailing it right there because it, since it does feel like uncomfortable and a little off, it's definitely about me not necessarily wanting to be seen fully in that element quite yet. And there are moments where it, it goes really well and I'm kind of euphoric on stage or having these moments of performance where it does feel really good. So I know that I can shift into that more effectively. Yeah. And I think for the Chiron and Leo individual like yourself, it's being more comfortable with the vulnerability that you're in touch with being up there in front of people. Cause that is just so vulnerable and just really, you know, affirmation. It's like, you know, I can do this. I live to create, I'm powerful, you know, to really root into that, those senses of yourself. Mm, absolutely. What is your Chiron in? Now I'm curious about your signs too. Yeah. My Chiron is in Aries, which has to do with a core wounding and my sense of value and worth and my first house of self-esteem. So for a person with this placement, it means that though we might outwardly create successful things that somehow we're not feeling like we're good enough 
and we we believe that to be loved we might have to do a lot like performance based love versus just being worthy because we're here and so for a Chiron and Aries person like me it's been a journey of self love affirming if i never do another thing it's okay i'm enough and to really create from pleasure because this makes me so happy that I, I have to do it, not because this is how I'm gonna make more money or be perceived in a certain way. And so it's really unlearning, people pleasing and being the one's authentic self. And for me, it's been like really scary and also exciting. Like, oh my gosh, I can just do less. And, and it's even kind of like you said earlier when you left New York and came to Chopanga, like, just having more peace, you're actually getting more done from mm -hmm. this place within yourself that's more centered and grounded. Yes. Thank it's you. It's been for like that for me that. too. Yeah. Yeah, and you're I welcome. Think, I think so many people can resonate with that too, just feeling like they have to go, go, go and like do to be worthy when really we are innately worthy. I'd love that you said, if I never do another thing, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like generating inwardly derived self-worth, you know, like an internal locus of control for our value and worth versus an external locus of control, which our culture is so, you know, always bombarding us with, you know, things to do more, achieve more, be your best self, you know, versus just I'm my best self right now and really feeling into that with some deep truth. Yes. And I love that we're having this discussion. This episode will come out on Wednesday, but we are talking on New Year's Eve. And I think that's such an important message to put out there that, you know, as everybody's making their to-do list for the new year and pushing themselves to be better, 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 just reminding everybody that you are enough. Everything that you've done is enough and you don't need to prove yourself in any way. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I thought of that too, Helen. This is special to me being on your podcast the last day of the year. It feels like, wow, like I'm doing what I love. You're doing what you love and, and we're reaching out to uplift people. And I hope people in their intentions or goal setting or whatever they call it for the new year will intend happiness. I feel like when we're really following our happiness and our passion, everything else takes care of itself. So just a reminder to put happiness as an intention for your life moving into this new year. Yes, yes. We were just talking about Abraham Hicks, Abraham Hicks before we came on and like that's the message, yeah. right? It's like like attracts like, that law of attraction yeah. and building your vibration and choosing joy because everything else just falls into place right after that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to dive into your book as well and learn about how you came to write this book and what inspired you to do so from the beginning. You know, I was inspired like I was sharing moments ago about coming to a place in my personal process as both a client and therapy and as a therapist providing therapy, just feeling frustrated with kind of the, the limitations of therapy being um, focused on, on sometimes the problem more than what's beyond the problem, what's the new story we can start to tell about ourselves and the life we want to live, the person we came here to be. And that's when Chiron came to me in meditation and I just started literally Googling and researching and seeing how far reaching Chiron is and the astrological placement, which isn't often talked about when I've had astrological readings done and just wanting to know more about how important this influence is in our lives because we can know the way that we love or the way we take action or the way we create 
based on other placements and our astrological charts. But we, but if we're not aware of our vulnerabilities and how we might even self-sabotage those efforts, you know, we're not going to move that far or as quickly or as happily. So I took, I took three years to write and research the book. So many revisions, Helen, I can't even tell you how many revisions. And, and I just feel really happy and proud of where it is. And it's just a different way to view life you know, just an added way along with so many others. And I pull in psychology and metaphysics, A Course in Miracles, and mm. different things that have helped me grow and heal to give people as many different views of looking at life as they can, since we're all so uniquely different. Yes. And what has your personal spiritual journey looked like leading up to this point? You're talking about meditation and understanding quantum physics. So what has your personal journey been like? Gosh, it, it used to be, you know, I didn't, I didn't practice a specific spirituality or tradition for years, but I always knew, even going back 20 years, that sometime a client would sit down and I just would kind of know what's going on. And I thought that was weird, but it happens so often. I learned that people are clairsentient. I, I kind of see maps over people's heads, like patterns as they're talking about their family of origin and their current functioning and, you know, clairsentience where you can kind of see things like the abstract is really real for me. And so I w when I went out to Los Angeles six years ago and started to take classes on spiritual development and became a Reiki healer. And I was so excited that there's words for this and other people feel like this too. And so I just kind of naturally progressed into like, I love, I'm a Gemini sun sign. So I'm curious. So I love learning. And uh, so for me, it's been really delightful, Helen, to just like learn and grow and change and, and make it a part of my life each step of the way. Mm -hmm. How have you seen yourself grow and evolve over like the past couple years coming into writing this book? Did you ever think that you would be here writing a book like this? Or was it you just know, I you always coming into touch with yourself more and more? It was. It was. Like really believing because writing a book, depending on how easily that comes for you is such a commitment. And I'm, I'm not shy of commitment, but to sit down and write about something that I wanted to be intelligent and spiritual and authentic really took so much time. And it was hard to even continue to value the book itself. And I got so many rejections even from publishers. I mean, some of the emails were just scathing. Like I cried for a week over one of them. Like you don't have a book, you know, you should give this up. And like so many creative people, you, you get these no's. And I was so committed. Like I heard in my heart, like this book needs to be out there. Like I know this book can help some people because it's helping me to grow and change and become who I want to be. Like being on podcasts and speaking and so I just stuck with it. I just kind of had this blind faith, Helen, to just keep effing doing it no matter <laughs> what. And I would not accept no. Like I told my literary agent, then you just find more effing publishers because this book is being published. And like, just, you know, so I started researching and finally Inner Traditions was just so wonderful because they really loved what I had to say. And they've been so great to work with. And it just felt like, oh, like, yes, like it finally. So when you persevere, my whole message in this is whatever you want, keep persevering no matter the time it takes. Because when it finally happens, it's like, so yes, it's so right on that. And it just feels like awesome. And I want people to feel that. I love feeling this way. That is such an important message. I'm so grateful that you shared that. 
And I think that this really connects to the inner wounding that comes along with Chiron, because in order to have the persistence that you had and the dedication to making sure this book got out there, you had to heal some of those confidence issues or some of that yes. shadow work had to be done, right? Otherwise you would have given up. Absolutely, Helen. Yeah. And I think for a lot of us, that presents in different ways. You know, it might not be, um, it might just present differently. I think we all have desires and dreams and there's a thought or somebody says early on, oh, you can't do that or that costs too much money. And so we kind of quelch our own inner voice and dream. And I just want to encourage our listeners, don't do that. Listen to yourself first and foremost, and possibly even don't share with others until it starts to really percolate and, and come to life because it's so easy to give up on something when we don't see the clear path or have the finances for it, but you can do it. Yes. Did you ever struggle with imposter syndrome along the way or feeling like, oh, I don't really know enough about this? Because I feel like a lot of people struggle with that when they're taking on a new project. Oh, Helen, that's such a good question. And I did even, even writing the book, like who am I to write a book? Like what, what, cause I, since being in Los Angeles, I know a lot of authors and they just seem to have this presence and poise. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if that's me, but I just, again, I knew you just do it anyway. And I, you know, as long as, as one is authentic, I just want it to be authentic for me. That's really important. And that's where I derive feeling powerful and like, I'm good enough is just by being my authentic self. If I don't know something, I'll say it. Like, we don't have to know everything. There's no way we can. So don't pretend, just be real. And then I've learned I can always get back to someone if that's what's necessary. So just proceeding in an authentic way, I think helped with the imposter syndrome. Right. And coming back to your point about following your joy and choosing happiness, because this was clearly bringing you joy and it worked out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I want to ask you too about Chiron. So we've talked about Chiron on an individual level. And how does it relate to us on a collective level, like humanity moving forward? What's going on there? You know, I think it's so cool because there's a last appendix chapter of my book that the publisher added because I did a section about the psychoastrology of the United States of America. And that Chiron is in in the place where it was when the Declaration of Independence was signed. And the Chiron of the US speaks to, though we're the most powerful nation in the world, that our core wounding is on how we take care of our own inhabitants. And we have so seen that during the pandemic and the lack of financial resources going to people and just the way school systems are so poor in rural areas and in our cities and in the South and just how, you know, we go to rush to the aid of other countries, even third world countries often, but not taking care of ourselves. And so the U.S., you know, can heal and grow by taking better care. And, and I also, Chiron was showing that this could be the year where we do have a first female president or vice president. And so that was so awesome to see that happen as well, in, in my thinking. So it's just interesting. So you can even take your relationship, the date you got married or the date of your first date and look at the Chiron of your relationship to see where those vulnerabilities and woundings might be. Or the start of your business, the date you got your LLC, for instance. I did that. And after I experienced a really weird contract negotiation that did not go my way, and it turns out the Chiron of my business is in contract negotiation, Helen. 
Ah. And it's like, oh my gosh. Like, so I made it my business to read the contracts. If I don't understand, ask to not go blindly into things. So it can help you in your business and your relationship besides just your personal life. Yeah. I mean, this is what I love about astrology and learning from people like you too, because it brings in this X factor. It's like showing up to work with the universe and starting to understand where your blind spots are and where you can be more conscious and aware. But there does seem to be this kind of X factor that comes in to help us when we need to navigate this, this world. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I so believe that like right on in alignment with what you're saying yeah. and that we can tap into that. You know, we can consciously choose to ask for that presence to be with us and guide us. Absolutely. I mean, that's what's so special. Human design has made me feel this way. Learning about Chiron with you has made me feel this way. It's like when you learn something new about yourself in the larger picture, all of a sudden you get this little ping and you're like, oh my gosh, like this is more of who I am. This is helping me unravel and start to look at things in my life that I, you know, hadn't been looking at before. You're so right on. I learned about human design from Aaron, yeah, from Aaron Claire Jones, who I interviewed on my podcast. And I love knowing my human design. I agree because it shows how we best produce and how to work, you know, not based on what society says, but what our own energy says. Yes. What is your sign in human design? I am a manifesting generator. Cool. And I'm a projector. I'm a projector. Oh, wow. Which okay. is really also relative to having a Chiron and Leo because projectors are usually kind of like the birds in the trees guiding, like the visionaries that help people get to the next level and, and see where people can go. Wow. We're not usually the ones um, in front of everybody. Wow. So it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. that's also helping me become more comfortable with being in the forefront and that being okay. So it's just another unraveling. It's amazing. It is an unraveling and like peeling back the layers of the onion and seeing more. There's like endless, you know, learning potential. It's so exciting for me. Like, oh my gosh, what else is there universe? Like, I just want to see it all. I know. So I'm curious too about what else you're doing on a daily basis to take care of your overall mental well-being and your, and your health. Well, we talked about my morning routine with meditation and setting mm-hmm. an intention and prayer as a part of that. And, and then I'll get to emails and mm-hmm. such. And I, I'm a big fitness person. I taught, I was a fitness instructor for over 13 years. So I love, I see fitness as play. And so six days a week, you know, pretty much I go work out and it's different. I ask my body, like, what would you like to do today? And sometimes it's pull-ups and push-ups. Other times it's a walk you know, other times it's weights. So just, I feel like there's such integration and connection between our mind, our body, our spirits, and to really address all those three areas of our health so that we can really be clear, you know, and have clarity and, and discernment. So physical health is an important part of my life. Um, just drinking water. Like I make myself drink a lot of water (laughs) during, Mm -hmm. during the day. And um, I love listening, like we talked about before coming live on YouTube to Abraham Hicks, like every day I'll listen to something because I just, for myself, I can so easily forget the truths of the universe and how loved we are and how we are supported and sometimes feel like it's all on me. So just to be reminded by an audio track like that, like it's not all on me. The universe is always working with us. So I do that Mm -hmm. as well listen to Abraham Hicks and then connection with friends, with friends and family. And like, if I start to feel like if I've been 
too much time alone, you know, I'll make it a point to reach out and text someone, even if I don't feel like it. I find that helps to shift if you're feeling kind of like you're just too alone to reach mm -hmm. out and connect because you're not the only one feeling that way. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you brought up the physical aspect and which is why I wanted to ask you too about your, your routines and what else you're doing to take care of yourself. Because so often in the spiritual community, I think we focus so much on mental well-being and spiritual well-being that we forget that our bodies are our avatars and our portals here, allowing us yes. to have this beautiful human experience. So the more we can take care of our body and nourish it and honor it, the better off we're going to be. Absolutely. So I love that. Yeah. And and that reminds me of some of your work that I saw online, it, you know, the messages to ourselves and especially our bodies. It's such a beautiful vehicle to be in. And yet so often we criticize our bodies, we shame our bodies. And just to do something every day to love your body, to acknowledge it, to, you know, really make some peace with that mm -hmm. relationship, I think yeah. can be helpful. Absolutely. So I'm curious too about how else your book is broken down. Can you take us through a little bit of like the history behind Chiron and how, like who was Chiron in Greek mythology? Can you give us a little more insight into that? Yeah. So Chiron was a centaur, half man, half horse. And most of the centaurs were like warring, drunk, you know, centaurs. But Chiron was a unique and different. He was he was the founding father of the healing and medical arts, like I spoke about. And he taught um, like the staff of medicine, the staff with the snakes. It's Asclepius. He taught and tutored Asclepius, who is our founding father of medicine. And he was actually, in Greek mythology, struck one day by a poisonous arrow and felt pain like humans do felt frailty, felt weakness to the point where he wanted to die. And he was put, so that, that's metaphorical, that though we're not going to be struck by a literal bow and arrow, most likely, that the unexpected can come into our lives and put us in touch with such pain that we don't know how to cope, we don't know how to handle it, up to and including people who do sometime take their lives. And so Chiron's message is he asked, Zeus, if he could trade his life with another Greek god for immortality and instead watch over us to help humans deal with their pain and vulnerabilities and weaknesses. So I thought that was such a beautiful story in Greek mythology for us. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. Like, I, I love hearing about these Greek stories and Greek mythology, and I love getting into fantasy because it reminds me that there's so many different parallel realities going on and different universes that are kind of like conjoining to help us have this human experience now. I think I'm talking about this now. I'm about to get a past life reading next week. So I'm really excited oh, about awesome. that. And I'm so curious to know what's going to come through and how I'm going to be able to connect with, you know, who I've been, but yeah. also understanding that there really is no past or future, that it's all kind of linear yeah. and that we can jump these time dimensions and have access to all of this. So even when we're talking about Greek mythology and all of these, you know, historical monumentous moments, it's all interestingly on kind of one plane. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling yeah. here, but yeah, it's really interesting to think no, about No, I that. feel you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was having that experience in meditation. It was really uh, unique and kind of surprised me in the last few days of what you're saying about time. Like I, I felt it like collapsing on itself and like past, present and future. I mean, from when our, our earth was created, when existent, when consciousness happened, like I, I kind of felt it 
all, you know, in my human limited human way, like all happening now. And it was just like, it was like, wow, what is this? Like, I want to know more and understand how we do have this infinite potential to, to really view our experiences differently and create differently based on, on that. Right. I mean, I was just looking at this bouquet of flowers I have in my room. I always have lilies around and I was looking at these flowers last night. Like, isn't this incredible that our earth creates these beautiful flowers and these beautiful trees and I'm surrounded by all these incredible colors in the sky. And I'm like, there's like an infinite number of planets that are also having their own unique experiences. And we're all just like, wow, living in these amazing realities. It just helps me wake up a little bit and understand how special and how much of a gift life is when we can look around and be like, what is this? Like these beautiful flowers, this coffee, like it gets down to this kind of like really minuscule detail of how special our lives can be. And, and it's so easy to forget that sometimes because we get into these monotonous routines of just trying to like pay rent or just, you know, live up to these certain expectations and these rules of society. But we really are in such a special time and having such a special experience together, you know, which is why I love that you're, you're doing the work that you're doing. And I love that you coined it as psychoastrology. I think that's so brilliant. I was like, have I heard this before? <laughs> that I'd realized that it's, it's you, you that came up with that. It's so cool. I would love to hear more about psychology paired with Chiron too and what else you're doing to take psychology sure. into this. And just to dovetail, when you're talking about the flowers, I find so much peace and connection in nature. And especially right now where I know in California, it's such limited, you know, such a limited ability to, to do things uh, because of the pandemic to just, it's so beautiful there to just get outside those palm trees. I love them and spend time in nature, walking on the beach, driving up PCH, whatever it is. I just think that can be a way to really soothe yourself during this time. And it's one of the things I've been doing every day whether I'm in LA or New Orleans is just be outside and look at the natural beauty of the flowers and the trees. Yes. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. It's like my favorite part of the day. My roommate has this lovely dog (laughs) and I like take her out on a walk every morning and the mountains will change every day and the weather will change and the lighting will change. And it's just such a wonderful time to leave leave the phone at home and go and just enjoy and give thanks and and recognize ourselves as like creatures that are part of the earth because it's it's when we look at ourselves and our clothes and our makeup and in these structures it's like it might feel easy to be separate from it but really we are just a part of nature as anything else as a tree or as a flower like we are organic beings organic matter and I think we you're are. so right on. It's it's so important to get back into nature because it reminds us of who we really are in our essence. Yes. Right? And it's like then understanding if we're so connected, then how different is a tree's consciousness? How different is the consciousness of the mountains around right. us? Like it, it brings us more into this unified way of observing the world and not this hierarchy of, oh, I'm more intelligent than you know, exactly. the horse next to me, you know, it, it, it's humbling. It's humbling. It is. I was thinking the other day, walking in New Orleans, Audubon Park, there are oak trees that are hundreds of years old. And I was thinking, wow, all that you've seen, I mean, like the wisdom, the generations, like these oak trees, and they'll be here way after 
you know, I'm gone. And it was, I was so like in awe of them, like in an energetic sense, like they're just so powerful and strong and wise and, uh, like I was like overwhelmed in a, in a positive sense. Right. And you know, I think that has so much to do with the inner work that we're doing and in this unraveling. And I think you said it earlier is it's an act of remembering who we really are. It's not necessarily even yes. like learning something new, but it's like coming back to what we already know and our most authentic version of ourselves. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yes. How do you feel like we're going to be moving forward in the next five years? Have you looked at Chiron's transits like uh, coming up? Like what's going to come in here? You know, I haven't. And that's where I can say authentically, I'm not sure the answer. Yeah. To that question. And I know you were asking a few moments ago about the interface between psychology and astrology and psychoastrology. And mm -hmm. one of the things for me is I've always been curious about astrology, yet also intimidated by it because it's so uh, nuanced. There's so much to know. And I found it to be overwhelming. I even went to astrology school in Los Angeles for a summer and I just found myself like, bamboozled with the conjunctions <laughs> and the aspects. And I was like, okay, in another lifetime, maybe, but like, I, and I, you know, but at the same time I was like, well, I don't want to just, you know, not like think it's too much for me to learn. And, and so in my journey into Chiron and being really familiar with one placement of astrology where I feel comfortable, because I feel like Chiron really is about psychology. It's about our mindset. It's about changing patterns. And I have so much comfort with those areas. So, and I'm sure I'm not alone, people that are intimidated by astrology. And so if you do want to know more about the astrological components of Chiron, I have a resource section in the back of my book. And I put a few of my favorite astrologers that I think are so wise that you mm -hmm. with their websites, so people can reach out to them to get some more of that detailed info. Yeah. Oh, great. You know, and as you were saying that, I just pulled up that chart where I was looking for my Chiron placement and it looks like it's not even oh, yeah. until... 2026 that Chiron is going to be entering Taurus. That's the next time it'll come around in 2026 um, in Taurus. Yeah, it yeah. stays eight years. Okay. It stays about eight years in a sign. So right now Chiron is in Aries for our, our like day-to-day -day lives, but your personal Chiron is in something unique to you. So mm -hmm. right now Chiron is in Aries, which has to do with that core wounding and a sense of value and worth. Mm -hmm. And you know, like doing a lot performance-based love and people-pleasing and, you know, outwardly derived self-esteem, you know, versus truly taking care of oneself. Right, right. And I can relate so much to what you were just saying about feeling intimidated or not totally resonating with astrology as a whole, but really focusing in on one thing that makes you feel good. I had the same experience. I went to school and studied music all through college, all through high school and music theory just never stuck with me. It, it just did it. I love playing guitar. Yeah. I love playing around with piano and singing, but like now I do that just out of joy. And if I want to learn something new, I'll, I'll learn something new because it makes me happy. And it, it just didn't work for me. So I can totally understand that. And some of the greatest yeah. artists like don't know music theory and are incredible musicians and right. some of the best astrologers aren't yes. even, like super, they're just intuitive and they just understand. So right. yeah, it's like dropping all these piece. rules and like expectations of how we're supposed to do something is yeah. Yeah. I love that. So what else um, can we expect in your book? How else is it broken down? Yeah, well, to, it, you know, it starts with uh, 
a chapter talking about creating the container for change after, you know, what is Chiron, then creating a container for change where I suggest that you get a journal, light a candle, designate some time because there's some journal entry type questions. As I share a bit about my life and kind of where I've come from, I invite you to reflect as well upon your own experiences. And so it's kind of like I'm you know, you're witnessing me and I'm witnessing you. So it's kind of like together doing this work. And I, I talk about uh, like a model of change that we go through where there's pre-contemplation, contemplation, and then we actually start the process of change. And so it's kind of like leading you up to then learning about your Chiron. And I do encourage people, Helen, to read all of the placements of Chiron because the, the woundings are things like experiencing an abandonment experiencing neglect, not being empathetically attuned to, feeling cut off from our creativity, going through, um, you know, a loss. And so I think most of us have experienced all of these things when you've lived enough life. And so I see my book, I mean, I'll turn to chapters sometime to, to help cope with certain emotions and experiences. So definitely pay attention to your Chiron, yet also read the others because I correlate the chakra system to the stages of grief identified by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler. And I was given permission to do that, in fact. And so there's some little nuggets kind of everywhere that I hope people will find and use. Oh, that sounds really cool. Associating the chakras with grief stages. Wow. The stages. Yeah. That's really amazing. So would the, the sacral chakra be like, like what would an example of that be? That's so yeah. So I talk, so I talk, and though the stages of grief are cyclical and they don't happen in any particular order because grief is unique to everyone. The, the first, the, the root Chakra, I correlated with the denial stage of grief because at the root cause of grief and loss is often a denial of its happening, like not being able to even wrap your head around it happening. So I talk about sending love to that chakra and, and things that you can tell yourself as you're dealing with the denial of, of what has happened or what's happening. And then from the, from the root chakra, the sacral chakra, having to do with the anger stage because the Sacral chakra is the root of our sexuality and lower impulses, aggression. And so when we're feeling angry about the loss that we're going through, it resonates with that chakra and to be mindful of it. And then the solar plexus chakra having to do with bargaining, you know, kind of like making, like if I didn't, if I wouldn't have done this, that wouldn't have happened and learning to make peace with yourself instead of like fighting against yourself, like that sacral chakra, like the seat of our, you know, where we want to take action. Mm -hmm. And then I correlate the heart chakra as resonating with the depression stage of grief and grieving, where it's like, we're just sad about the change and the loss and to really be gentle with yourself and your own heart as, as you're moving through that stage. And then the throat chakra having to do with coming into, um, acceptance, like where you start to, you know, really tell a new story. You're like, okay, well, I can start to integrate this into my life, into, you know, maybe I can use this as a gift in my life. And then David Kessler just put out a book introducing a sixth stage of grief, and that's the making meaning. So I correlated that with our crown chakra, you know, to really 
being able to take the acceptance and make some meaning of it. Mm, and then yeah. there, there's not a seventh stage of grief yet, but I correlated that to our crown, crown chakra, if there was one. How, I mean, since humans have been alive, we're trying to answer life after death, what happens. So I just saw that possibly as being something related to what happens after our physical experience. Oh my gosh, absolutely. That is so cool, Lisa. I've just never Thank even you. considered that. Yeah, I mean, Thank I love you. what you're saying about the crown chakra being associated with life after death. And I think what's going on right now with humanity too, is we're all starting to get more comfortable with the idea that we are energetic beings having a physical yeah. experience and all of this work, all of this shadow work, all of this, these spiritual tools that we're using are just helping us get more comfortable in embodying that and realizing yes. that it's all going to be okay. And getting out of fear. And when we're thinking about shifting from 3d to 5d, it's really just leaving fear yeah. behind and aligning with love and understanding that we're all connected. And there really is no death. There's just transitioning. There is transitioning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Lisa, this is there is awesome. anything else that you wanted to touch on? I am, I could ask you questions for like years, but. No, um, I feel like this is so good. I so <laughs> appreciate this time and you having such thoughtful, deep questions. Thank you. No, I, do, I just really do hope being that this is the, the show will air at the beginning of our new year and that people really find a place of compassion and, and forgiveness for themselves. Um, one of the best things that's happened at the end of my year is His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama endorsed my book. And in the letter he sent me, he just spoke about, um, though he's a Buddhist scientist and not a follower of astrology, that he believes he believes in the role that compassion and forgiveness have in healing humanity, as I put it out in my book. And, um, you know, I just find that those two kind of core stones to come back to compassion and self-forgiveness are important. So I just encourage our listeners to, to tune into that for themselves and the people that they're encountering every day. Somebody that cuts you off in traffic or at the grocery or your loved one, just to, you know, try to be more loving. Yes. Such a beautiful message to end with. Thank you so much. That's perfect. You're welcome. And so where can people find you if they want to work with you and get your book and connect with you? The best place would be NOLA Therapy, my website, N-O-L-A-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com. And my book is available at major retailers like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, through my publisher, Inner Traditions. And I have links to all that at NOLA Therapy. You can get book sessions Perfect. with me everything there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm going to link all of that in the description Thank below. Thank you. So people could easily find it, but it's been such an honor to talk with you. And such an honor you. to yeah, be with you. Thank you so much, Helen. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode today. You can find Lisa again on Instagram at NOLA therapy and her website is nolatherapy.com. And Okay, by the way, isn't it amazing that she was endorsed by His Holiness, the Dalai Lama? Like, I, I can't even wrap my mind around that. It's amazing. Um, but I hope you guys learned something new today. I definitely did. I didn't know anything about Chiron, to be honest, before speaking with Lisa. So this was really eye-opening for me. And yeah, if you feel like a friend might benefit from this episode, please do send it along and let us know what you think. Um, again, I'm on Instagram at Helen Denham underscore and my website's HelenDenham.com. I post blog posts every week. You can find other podcast episodes there. 
and links to my music, all the good stuff. I also send out a newsletter every Sunday for Self Care Sunday. So if that sounds fun for you, go ahead and sign up for that. And I think that's it for me, you guys. Thank you so much again for being here. I love you and I'll talk to you on the next one.